0: keep being inquisitive about the things you don't know. You could talk about the amount of research that is actually out there on women specific. We should be asking ourselves questions of what can we be doing to coach to the strengths, not just coach because that's how rowing's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, what's up? Welcome to Last Stroke Counts. In today's episode, we're very pleased to host the CUBC Chief Women's Coach,
0: Patty Ryan. Paddy, please welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, thank you for having me. It's actually my first podcast. Ah, and interviewed plenty of times yeah first podcast
2: awesome. awesome hopefully it's a little more casual chat that like we like to do rather than rather than interview style but um yeah we'll see we'll see how we go i think exciting from our point of view we talked about having some coaches on we've uh, had a string of uh high level rowers which has been really interesting to get into their stories um but um the other thing we want to explore is like around the outside and everything else that makes rowing work so obviously coming to someone who's uh doing pretty pretty well at the moment absolutely Uh, i caught i caught patty uh, henley qualifiers
1: and then i just said that i'm really interested to hear about the dynasty that you've built here at cambridge and i think it's fair to say that that you have having seen how many win uh, what the win streak for cambridge is at the minute
0: yeah i mean i think it's it's uh it's very flattering you put it on my shoulders but i've been privileged to work with some pretty cool people along the way um so um I actually can't track the lightweight's rate wins, but there's been more than definitely a lot more wins than losses. But um the we won our first I when I started in 2013, we hadn't won for a couple of years. Um and I'm definitely at no point putting this on my on my shoulders. Uh and we were but it's it's like anything. I think um Learning to win is a is a skill. It's um, not necessarily a measurable skill, but there are definitely, well, some sports psychologists might disagree with me, but there are some definitely foundations. And um, and Rob taught me a lot of those things. You know, he'd been here in the early O's under Robin and learnt with some incredible coaches accrued through that time, Tim McLaren, Donald Leggett. Um, and so he was trying to pass those on. And, but, you know, we were all trying to figure out New role moving to the Tideway, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. So, you know, we've had some incredible wins and we've had some big losses too. But, um, you know, the Blondie kind of showed the way a little bit, and then you know, that was Imogen's first year of racing with the club. She, um, so she stroked the Blondie crew, which I, uh, I had coached with Nick Aycock that year, um, because. It's only happened once, but we did a half, a 50, 50 split. So it was half lightweights, half open weights. Um, so the lightweight, those four lightweights, uh, of which Imogen stroked that boat too, had just, and only just lost the, um, uh, the lightweight boat race, um, which had been in Henley. Yeah. I think it was, um, you know, they'd been up and just got the road through. So we, we, we processed all of that and then put a crew together and, uh, well, they had been sort of training one week in one boat, one week in the other, and it was it was an interesting um, to try and uh, manage all that. But, um, you know, it was also the same year that the blue boat sunk uh, or submerged, probably a better description. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, it ra- ra- um, you know, when they got out of the wash and stuff, it rose again and they finished the race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still remember it's like, um, it's like, we're on the front page of most newspapers in the world. Yeah. How weird's that? Uh this is rowing. Um and then <laughs> it sort of starts to sink into you just how big I mean, the boat race is big, but actually from a international perspective, um it's it's you have to pinch yourself. It's like you just can't quite really relate to how big the race is. Yeah. Um you know, normal people, I was imbued just after this year's boat race, and they said oh well done my friend's Oxford I'm like oh yes I'm wearing a <laughs> <It's> like, <I laughs> this is clear. It every year it's like that's so much of it yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so that you know so working for Rob definitely taught me things you know, um, uh, you know encouraging athletes from other programs and internationals to come over that's, that's a skill I had to learn or a skill we all had to learn it's a team effort that one um And also refining is like you know what was our style um and we have you know the other thing is that um i was talking to josh butler recently and he put it as like i have my gurus and i love that word because actually we're not experts you know we are good at what we do but it's actually by creating a team of people and bringing in expertise that helps either that light bulb moment for that athlete or the. Um, or or for the coach to actually go, actually, yes, I've, I, I've detoured because I spend all my time staring at, well, a large group down to a finer group to others, that actually having a, a different perspective is a huge thing. And those are not things that I had the opportunity, well, I didn't have quite the clarity of opportunity, say when my time at Thames or working at London's throwing, you're kind of expected to be the expert and deliver and not that team perspective I think is is uh, wholesome. Um, so this is something that's more emphasized
1: at like Cambridge compared to other clubs definitely.
0: I definitely think that, that um, it's something that it was shown me and I've tried to evolve that even more um, in my time in charge. But uh, you know, um, so we won the Blondie race in 2016, uh, 2017, uh, we didn't clean sweep, so uh, I can't. I don't. Maybe we didn't win the lightweights race that year. I can't remember. No, we definitely won the openweights race, race because by um, a long way. Um, I think that was the year that Blue Bay put 36 seconds on uh, Oxford and Blondie put 39 seconds on wow. Oxford, and it was. I mean, not, uh, yeah, and, and you know, you've got to measure all these things. And stuff. like, we had good crews, you know, that 2017 crew with no opposition set the fastest, then fastest time for, and it was a miles faster than anyone else. You know, Matthew Holland, Melissa Wilson, Holly Hill, uh, Miriam, it was, it's quite an, it's a great list of people who then went on to, uh, Imogen was in that crew yeah. too, you know, um, uh, uh, Claire Lamb. I mean, you know, uh, I feel bad not mentioning everyone else, but, the so you know that crew was fast but we were also faced at the op- time when Oxford had uh, their own internal uh, things and you know disappointingly for for the race um, and uh, you know how it goes out to so the athletes had to experience that but they had almost they almost capsized on the start line. Wow. You know it's like their riggers went underwater and stuff I think and actually uh, Osiris did almost the same thing and so I think that year you know we talked about 39 seconds like we had a length lead before the end of the, uh, before the line of boats, you know, it's like, that's not really, that's, it's great. It took the edge off. It really transformed the club into like, this is who we are and gave us belief and all those sorts of things. And, you know, confirmed training hard and all those goals. But when was the last, I don't think we had a close race then for years, for many years, and that's that's not good for. Um, it's great for us as for us, but it's not necessarily great for the sport. We looked back um, over
2: it, didn't we? We had someone ask a question. Um, obviously, after it was like what our first first or second episode we did, and sort of you know does Oxford get rid of their coach now? Do they change everything? <clears throat> what happens? We sort of looked back through the results, and yeah, there's been quite a few that have been a bit wide. And if you look at percentage wise, like two or three lengths on the finish line isn't over an 18 minute race, like. That we saw the thing we said, like, I'd love to see those crews race two K side by side because wow, yeah. wow, wouldn't that probably be a close one? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly the 22 crew would have been just, yeah. uh, you know, humding
0: us. You yeah, know, it was just like we had a slightly slower, um, you know, those first ten a little bit slower. Then we just sort of piled on the speed and mm. and stuff. Um, you know, and I think that race in itself, I have been nervous every single race. I was not nervous. Um, I was proud that day. Um, and uh, I, I think anyone is um, who can say yes. I, I I created that crew is talking out of something. Um, you know, Grace was an incredible asset. Um, Imogen was an incredible asset. Ruby was an incredible asset. But every single person in that crew, you know, the, um, the four returners, that was the third boat race um of a, which one had been cancelled but they you know they got two weeks before the race so yeah, they earned that yeah. spot they knew what it took mm-hmm. uh then they'd done the ely race so the only th- the thing they were nervous about is doing i think they were probably more nervous about racing with grace and imogen than they were about oxford <laughs> um and they didn't want to let themselves down and all the those pressures that young people put on themselves but you know uh, the proudest thing i'm saying is like we got there we got made it fast i didn't fuck it up um and I remember I was uh, sitting in the launch with Liv Coffee, um, in a uh, US Olympian twenty uh, eighteen, race, and uh, I was like, I, yeah, "That's pretty quick." And she, and she just turned to me and said, "That is beautiful." Um, and I'll take my credit. You know, I, 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 I didn't fuck it up um but we had a good program we created the environment where we could turn things around and we gave them the resources to to be able to row together Mm. um which was you know but you
2: know the people in the boat they all made it work yeah Yeah. you can't do it as a as a coach you can't you don't have the all um so like you said yeah it's about putting those things in place and we're talking about like throughout the year having all those people you know we used to talk about an there's no room for dead weight anymore you know the three seat is is not your most useless rower you know the six seat isn't just the one that's got the big ergo and nothing else like there's no room for that anymore and again like what you said like looking back like that's why I sort of interested myself in doing long format stuff it's like great to talk about that year and and what went into it and what worked from that but then also you know 11 years at Cambridge and all these other things that go into it and all this stuff you know because it's awesome to be able to stand up and be like wow clean sweep that's awesome um, but I think sometimes it gets devalued a little bit in terms of people, you know, for example, come to you, oh, you've done an amazing job, like, wow well done in the last couple of years. You know, like, it wasn't the last couple of years. You know, I spent 15, no. 20, 30 years of my life building up to this point. Yeah. Like you said, learning from gurus. I love that expression as well, because um, I think in any sport, you can't just, you can't mimic something. You can't, you could take Jürgen's program and what Jürgen does and you can watch him and you could go away to another club and try and be Jürgen and then it wouldn't work. Because it, it needs to come from you and all those other things that you do. Yeah, and I think we're like I think that's a great analogy because I think there's,
0: um, I mean, very few people make something original anymore. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we take the bits and pieces we learn and we try and put it together. And I like to think that I'm continue learning and trying to sort of unpick and evaluate. And I think that's you know part of my role is to to really think about like things like. But also, not to compare an Olymp- a year when you've got Olympians to a year when you've got more undergrads, mm. like trying to just, just, just undergrads trying to row that program. You're like, yeah, I'm going to break them. Mm. Um, so I've got to be thinking and flexible and trying to do that sort of stuff. But, but we're pretty, that's probably the thing that I find difficult in our sport is that we're also, there are lots of people, lots of coaches who hear something, have no context for that, that saying or what they're trying to do. Um and just try and repeat it. Mm. I mean, my personal hatred is people saying sit up. I'm like, why no? <laughs> no. Be tall, be powerful, but you do it the wrong way. You're literally you know creating an incredible bad foundation for this rower's whole future. Yeah. And probably a back injury. Um so you know, it's like though I think we could be a little bit more reflective on um you know i think the uh never finished it but the british running level four was was i did start it and the reflective element was probably the most powerful it's like just write stuff down reflect on it it's like well why am i saying what i'm saying
2: does anyone actually understand what i'm saying um yeah, yeah it's one thing i realized especially in, we coached in at oxford college for a while like with oxford students obviously athletes who are a little bit brighter and were switched on and you know uh, that one thing we were taught as an exercise you know um put a blade in on the way forward and someone would put their hand up and be like but i can't can i I i'm actually and then you'd have to be like yeah no like like it's sort of we say that to try and get you to lift your hand earlier so that by the time it does and then you realize that oh actually you know like some of these things that i've got taught maybe i've never even really sort of processed oh yeah i'll put it on the way forward and you never really thought about it yeah um and i think i learned when we spoke about this um you can you can force an athlete into position. You can sit in the launch and just on the microphone do this, do this, do this, and and it'll be perfect in front of you. But you haven't told them why. You haven't made them understand that movement, and you're gonna you're gonna be there in the race. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. You need to make yourself obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And actually, and the, uh, the, the I think that's realizing that and you know you don't tend to be able to do that as a young coach it's, it's, it takes confidence to mm. get to the point to do that um but if you're feeling like you have to give instructions on the last day actually you're doing more you're, you're doing less to improve their confidence than you you're pro- you're doing it for your own confidence mm. not for theirs yeah. and i think that's uh, that confidence piece is uh, pretty massive. I, I'm sure... I, I've worked, so I'm going to refer to uh, coaching women because I've done that for the last 11 years. So I haven't coached a men's crew in a long time. Um, but I think we... we. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to apologize to Kate Hayes if she ever listens to this. Um, so Kate Hayes is the incredible um, sports psychologist, Um she we had it for a brief period she was also at that time she was i believe uh, mm-hmm. head of a group of sports psychologists in and in sport england and stuff and she's now the sports psychologist for the lionesses she's done awesome uh, uh, <laughs> i want to say daily tom so that's wrong He's a bit uh tom in, the tom daly the the diver and something so she's think but so one of the first things she sat down with me nick and rob um, when she, when Rob um, asked her to come in and sort of help sort of change some of the cultural stuff uh, in terms of how we perceive our training and what outcomes and stuff. She so like, this is to meet with just the coaching team. This was before she even met the athletes. Yeah, it was yeah. just like to explain some of her theories and stuff. Anyway, so her PhD was um, she exa- she she looked at all. Um, essentially you had to be a world champion or an Olympic had to have been a medalist. And they're the only people she spoke to across multiple different sports. And from her data collection and stuff, she realized that actually uh, men can basically win something. And for pretty much the rest of their careers, there is always going to be as good as that. Women don't think like that. Mm. So, um, you know, they need, um, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of reasons why, and it's societal and all those other things. I'm not going to unpick, but oh, I don't have the skills to unpick. But the so essentially, they need constant evidence, and you know, just because they did something good, they can they can convince themselves that they're not that good anymore. Mm. So you need to be thinking about um, uh, collecting the evidence and using that those resources to um to keep help you move forward in this sport. And um and that was for me massive. That was like, oh, right. Okay. So um and I you know, I haven't worked with her since two thousand and seventeen. Maybe she did a bit in two thousand eighteen as well, but um, you know, she moved on. We've had other sports psychologists since and all all good, but she was probably the first opportunity, first guru I got really to um that for me really got me to question and think about uh start that journey on it's like okay well, are we doing the right thing for women are we coaching or are we just coaching you know 90% of all coaches are men are we just coaching what we know mm-hmm. rather than actually thinking about is this working for it? Is Is this yeah. what the
2: our audience yeah. needs? Is this what our customer needs or uh, our athletes need? There's definitely something, like obviously, I had to chat around the, uh, the right way. There's always something BBC will bring up on, and then uh, some people have mentioned. There's uh, something definitely I think we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. I just want to reverse a little bit and just get into how you got into writing first and look at sort of the origin of you, and then we'll oh, go to Cambridge. Troubled past. <laughs> um, and I'm not joking, a uh, little bit of a troubled past. Um, you wouldn't be the first one person we've had on who said wearing saved them from uh from a, yeah yeah, yeah I, was a, I was i was a good kid i just um
0: um i'm half swedish mm-hmm. um and so uh i spent in periods of my uh young uh well at the age of four i lived in sweden for a year um so when i came back to australia couldn't speak English. Um, and then I did another stint when I was 14. And basically, I went to a school where there was a lot of drug problems and stuff and never wanted to and never touched the stuff in my life. But um, when you try and stand out from basically a culture, you, there's bullying. And, and I've been this tall since. I mean, I'm 202, six foot seven, And I have been that height since I was seventeen uh, 14 years old. Wow. Um, so, again, stand out. Um, but I wouldn't say I was that strong. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> You know, didn't really do any sports because I was—I I grew nine inches in a year or something like that. Wow! Um, so anyway, so I basically just was a bit lost, and so my parents sent me back to Sweden for just a change of scenery and to thing. And then when I came back to uh, Australia, um, while in Sweden, I learned a bit of truancy because um, no one was taking a register. It's so, like, okay, well, I'll go do that or do this or whatever. Um, and also, uh, oh, there's a bunch of reasons, but. Um, but I would not be here without that because I wouldn't have gone to Adelaide High School as a uh, 16 year old and um, which is the only at the time was the only state school in, in Adelaide where I grew up um, that taught that offered rowing, mm-hmm. and um, fell in love with it pretty much day one. Um, I, you know, sat in the crew and stuff and then I would cycle. I would get up early and cycle to the boathouse which was 20 kilometers away wow because um, i lived in glenelg uh to the center of adelaide and um i would take out the sort of the, the learning single and taught myself to skull had to unteach a lot of that but <laughs> um yeah it's like you know left above right yeah no i taught myself right above left <laughs> um and yeah And I fell in love with it and I think by my second year I was trialing with the sports institute or trying to get into the sports institute and you know that was that was tough uh more from a like you know I don't don't come from a sporty background like from parental perspective like neither of them did sport um I think Dad did golf um which is unusual because I'm average in my family I am the norm my dad is six foot eight. My brother is six foot eight. My mother is six foot one. Very normal. I've got an aunt who's six foot th- two. Um, got a s- female cousin who's six foot two. And, you know, we're not a small family. That's incredible. But almost no sport other than golf. Um, and I'm not a fan of golf. Uh, <laughs> and I'd rather take the dogs for a walk. The, um, don't quote My wife's not allowed to see that because, you know, more walking um <laughs> the uh, so yeah so essentially i went to adelaide high school found rowing and then that was you know i think by the end of the first year i was doing twice a day six days a week with a bike ride on a sunday Hope um yeah. yeah and it became and it very much as like i felt like a. I think i don't know how for other people but i felt like i belonged in something mm. And that I found an identity and found other people who were tall, uh, unusually tall at a young age.
2: Um, yeah, so that was all really nice. Just a bunch of other nutters who are willing to also do something 14 times yeah. a week. Yeah. And also somewhere where you can, like, just
1: expel your competitive spirit out and just put it out onto something and actually get get better at
0: it and not get scolded for it if applied in the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, you, you say that. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's like, my both my parents would have described me as non-competitive and and it's interesting it's like is that a a nature or a nurture Mm. and I actually think that's uh, uh, you are quite often what you are told to be and I had a very um, I'm 15 months older than my brother so we pretty much did everything together Mm. and when it comes to and also I mean grew later than me bizarrely I grew really early he didn't grow; heavy his growth spurt till he was seventeen. Um, that must have been fun for a while. Nine inches over you. Well, yeah, brother. yeah. I mean, I was always taller, but he had, he had the, he had the gob. I, I may have had other assets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean, we were competitive, and he would definitely be a bit more talented at some of like you know, the things that were cool. And when we were growing up, was skateboarding, surfing, um, and I was rubbish at all of them. Um turns out that, you know, later on, I've discovered that 80% of the bones of my feet are fused. I'm not going to be a great jumper with the bones like that. Oh. So, and uh, you know, so you start to go, actually, well, there's reasons for this. And, you know, that's a uh, a story about, you know, how some of these things create your worth and actually they've got nothing to do it. It's just this is who you are. And, and I remember going, see, when I found that out, I was a um, he basically said, yeah, you picked the perfect sport like rowing your feet it's gonna be fine um jumping yeah not gonna be good um
2: so yeah so I just fell in love with the sport um and then carried that on for in Australia and what was the yes. decision to to move um so I, I mean I've never never quite made it straight so in 1995
0: I basically burnt out like I had fallen in love with the sport and that's all I did mm. pretty much um I got a part-time job um I'm a pretty good sign writer these days, but like uh, in the skills I learned but I um you know I don't I can't paint the shit but <laughs> I can do the I can do the graphics I can all stick right. them on I can do all of that sort of stuff yeah not intellectually very fulfilling um I wasn't bad at school I wasn't engaged with it wasn't bad at it um so I went off and did um and I think by then I was doing eighteen sessions a week and but with no no outflow, no income, and it was kind of on the breadline. I was not funded. I was having to, you know, basically just, I was slightly getting poor all the time. And uh, I think it was just all becoming a bit too much. So I quit in 95. Did a little bit of surfboat here and a little bit of this and stuff. And uh went off and did a teaching degree. Um, so I got bachelor of education from Flinders University in 1990. Started in 95, um, finished in 99, and i have i mean mum swedish dad's australian they met in canada got married in sweden went back to canada then i came along um so back to australia so i have always grown up on stories of the world so i just always like and having i think in my schools uh, certainly my first school i was probably the only one of four or five that had even left the state let alone um you know, new you know, bi- bilingual parents and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, you know, I was like, right, the day I didn't even stay for graduation. The day I knew I'd passed, I had a flight to. Um, I'd done a ski season the year before, in the uh, US. It was like first of December, my mum's birthday. Not a high, not a high point. <laughs> um. But so off to the states again, and worked in um, South Lake Tahoe. Ski resort for four months, then went to New Mexico for a friend's wedding, and then arrived here. And I was only going to be here for three months. Wow, that old story. Yeah, <laughs> three months, and I, so I was doing supply teaching in London. I think on day three, a kid threatened me with his cricket bat. I went bold. Um <laughs> The, the You're like, I'm Australian. I mean, he was like this big. You know, it wasn't very big. <laughs> um, apparently, I smiled the wrong way or something. But um, the literally, we were walking across the square. I had had not said a word. Um, anyway, so the I basically I was meeting a friend in Putney. Saw there was running going on. Wandered down. Uh, a little voice started going. Yeah, and I walked about things, so, and a guy called Dave Wise, um, who knows that he's the reason that, that for this whole journey, but because um, I tell him at Henley every time I see him, the, <laughs> probably on a Saturday when I've had one too many. Um, and he was just tinkering with an old boat and stuff. The, the, the Thames Rain Club at the time was away on training camp, so there was no one around. So it was a thing that showed me thing. seeing a tank. I've never seen a tank in my life. Um, that thing's down buried under concrete oh, or something, yeah. and a new one's been built. Uh, you no, know, yeah and um, the you know it was an asbestos shed and a, you know some, but, um, so I said yeah I'll give it a, I'd like to just do some recreational I've done it seriously I don't really want to do it again but I'd like to meet other people than teachers because otherwise I'm, gonna, um, I'm just not going to last very long because it, it unfortunately the supply teaching world is not very positive you know, Yeah, it's, it's you always get we rarely do get good classes Mm. um and understandably and i was one when i was a kid behaviorally you're not necessarily the nicest to those supply teachers um you know i got got told once it's like "Yeah, just don't leave any let anyone leave the classroom i'm like Hmm. so i'm a bouncer for a day (laughs) okay um the you know i've seen most of london because of it which is quite nice but
2: I had a teacher different school who, um, he was telling us that like, he used to work in a rough school where they'd have a panic button, literally they'd pass under the table if it really kicked off. And he said, he said, oh, I really shouldn't have, but sometimes I just, I just knew if I wound them up till they went mad, I could press the button <laughs> and two guys would walk in and take them out of the classroom. So <laughs> we'd just play the game. Yeah. Uh um, won't say his name. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, uh. I didn't have my panic button. Yeah, um, but I definitely got asked back occasionally. So. No one left the classroom. The um, not helpful on the day. Then they didn't tell me there was two doors. I'm like, not. I can stop people leaving this door, but I can't stop both doors. Um, it's literally that It's playing goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, uh, and it yeah, the so you know wasn't going to do this seriously. One week later. Suddenly, I was back to ten it's sessions. Solid that, yeah, one week. Uh, the because apparently, the moment I left, I'd done a couple of sessions, and um, Tessa at uh, Imperial College mm. used to coach. It. Um, she's got an interesting story if you want to go back into the history. But anyway, um, she was coaching. Uh, Simon Cox was the head coach at the time at Thames, and uh, so apparently, like I'd done one session, and Tessa was on the phone. It's like Pretty um, pretty good. Um, unfit but pretty good um, and uh, yeah and then um, I started meeting the rest of the team and really enjoyed it, it was a good thing um, I was still I was living up in Finsbury Park I think so it was a bit of a hell of a kid yeah. uh, and uh, yeah so well um, just a bunch of people and a created an environment, felt like home and that's I'll never be a not a not to be a member of Tem train Club just because it gave me uh more of a um that more that home mm-hmm. element that you that was really nice, especially about being in a new city and stuff. And uh yeah, so yeah, I was supposed to be going to a teaching job in North Carolina. I caught up and said, Yeah, I'm not coming because I made Friday my first handling and um, you know back uh, in 2000 that was that was 2000 and uh, the rules were a little different you could turn up year on year there was no we until the following year and um, like so and we lost the final the following year in 2001 uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, so that was the, the Thames Cup and then uh, 2002 got Friday again and then won in 2003 Um. Mm-hmm which are you know kind of a lot of lucky ones it's not, there's not that many of us who actually you know there's a lot of people who want to win one there's not that many who do what
1: well, the red box at Henley or the this particular cup yeah.
0: with the Wi-fi the, the uh, is a it's I've got a red box yeah yeah
1: I don't have one at this table
0: I think I'm the only one here who doesn't but yeah you know, I've, I've only got one yeah, yeah. Me too. one is all
2: you need yeah <laughs> got a coaching and um pretty proud of the coaching one too but that's uh um I was gonna say so this time at Thames have you done any coaching up to this point in rowing no back
0: home not at all really so after 03 when we won I was actually uh like I was doing most of my training at Thames because I was um I just bought a house with my now wife and um you know so we you know I was down that path so I was then but I was actually training at Brooks so I was rowing on weekends with um with Brooks um and doing a doing a we did a four i think that year we did the fours head i did uh disqualified but <laughs> uh
2: danny merritt and uh tommy burton i've rode with both of them oh, i was in mates. a visitors four with danny in 2009 it was not one of his wins unfortunately. <laughs> uh, i think by when i rode with them um i think between the two of them they'd won 13 13 yeah, it was like, yeah it's like i really want to get tommy on i think he'd be, oh, be a good yeah. laugh yeah that's uh, both of them would be a good banter. I think uh, Alex Partridge, that was his two suggestions. Yeah. Danny, Tommy, and Adam Moffat. He wanted them three in a room. Yeah. Uh, well, I rode with all three. So, okay. yeah. Uh, and was just, he, uh, he was a young fella at yeah.
0: Brooks at the time. Um, yeah. They were all, you know, so did that. But then, you know, uh, Paul Reedy, who I've known since I was 19 years old, uh, basically said, you know, about, you know the the older 20s i was 30 when i won so um it's like once you've won you've retired you don't know it yet but you've retired and that's kind of what happened is like i started to like for the first time I'm like i'm a pretty earnest trainer I, lo- I like training i like the routine and i just started to notice like yeah i've got 10 minutes here or stuff and it's like i'd rather go to the pub or and so things just slowly eek off mm-hmm. and i woke and I, we got married in february of 2004 And uh, and I think the the following weekend I went over to I was at Brookstone said look I'm I you know I I'm not going to leave behind dry I'll do the head with you, um, uh, because I don't want to leave. You know, I think if you need me, I'm I'm there. uh, Because I think entries are already in, and you know the and it was pretty cool crew. Even though that race got uh, cancelled, but. the but you know it's not fair to i know what i'm doing it's not fair for everyone else yeah um and uh henry will never admit this but but i came out henry went in oh no that was will so my pair's partner so there was two of us we not up there so will broke busted his knee so henry came in for uh, for will and then i kind of thing and then an oxford guy sat in for that Henley. I can't remember his name, but um, I'd like to think I would have got there with them because um, they won again that year. Mm. Um, uh, I'm quite proud of the fact that we beat them in 2003 at, at uh, Marlow. It's quite, yeah. It's like when you know you, you look back at the races that count. So I, I won my Henley with an easily verdict. I don't really, you know, I remember the journey, but I don't mm-hmm. remember the, thing, but I remember that race against um, Brooks, a third of a length the whole way down the course. Sixteen seconds on, I think Cambridge, and then a couple of Oxford. Or like that. It was like that's uh, like well spread outfield and we were the only Thames Cup, uh, only Wightfold eligible crew. We're knowing the Brooks is going. It's like okay, well if we can win, that you know this, it's it's ours to lose, as it were. Yeah, like you said, the mental. That's yeah. it. You you know you can, and you know everyone else is now trying to pick another event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so that's. Uh, and as I didn't uh, had had uh, I guess I'd done a little bit of coaching in Australia to make ends meet. Mm. Um, interesting, it had been it had been a, a girl school at the time, um, probably coincidentally. But there we go. And yeah, but um, so we get. I think it was November of two thousand four. Um, the captain of Thames, a guy called Stephen Dooley, uh. It was a friend and stuff, but called up and said, Look, not particularly happy with the way things have like gone over the last year and a bit. Would you I'm about to have the tough conversation with the coach. Would you be willing to take over? Um, I've talked to your old coach and he suggested that you'd be a good thing good candidate. I'm like, so I had to have a conversation with my wife. It's like, you know that time that I did rowing? Well it's about to get a lot more. <laughs> uh or it could be if you're up for it. I mean, yes, but we're getting a dog.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's a trade-off. No. Did you ever think was that did you ever in your mind think that it was something you'd like to do? Or was it I, kind did, of I did upon you? as a
0: young person. Yeah, I did. As I really enjoyed coaching the uh, young people and and stuff. And I I love the I love the learning about rowing in terms of uh, my coach in Australia used to say that I would I would happily talk about like what part of the stroke I could feel things, and he said not everyone can do that. Mm. Um, I only had one person say that to me, but there we go um you know not everyone can say things like yeah I can feel that through my big toes sort of thing and um uh so yeah no i and I loved being able to sort of explain those things because as much as I was uh I, I told you I had three different secondary schools, not the best for your academic prowess um mm-hmm. in two different countries especially the um, so I had um but I had a real love for physics. And mm-hmm. I guess if life had gone a different path, engineering would have definitely been like, I love engineering. One of my, um, uh, I, I, one of the people that stands out in my time here is a young woman called, um, Larkin, who was president actually in the year of, um, cancellation. And she's uh, about to race her crew from that year. Almost all of them uh, are racing ahead of the Charles this year nice. because they've been nice. Anyway, so. So Larkin is a MIT engineer, came here, solar cells for satellites. I'm like, yeah, that's very cool. That's so cool. Um, and you know, we, there's lots of very cool things that he do. but um, being with the engineering mechanical bit. Yeah, that was- You sort of are a- uh- biomechanical engineer yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. half the job engineering is pretty
1: captivating for rowers minor i imagine like it's, it's kind of like solving solving problems but it's something that you know you can really adapt yourself to just like rowing and it it won't have an end unless you give it
0: one no absolutely yeah and it's interesting here we go through phases like we'll have the engineers at the moment we've got a mass amount of medics and vets which are they that's
2: got to be hard to work with uh from a logistics perspective yeah yes. not be, not because no yeah. i just mean like time i mean wise. occasionally they they start to go all doctor and
0: it's like are you qualified no then shut up <laughs> um we actually have doctors on the you know actually one of them is a doctor and we've got met proper you know graduated experienced sports doctors so you stop diagnosing things that you actually you know you're not qualified <laughs>
2: the training <camp> gun <laughs> diagnosis yeah.
0: yeah it's like yeah um band-aid you can do that um but let's not go reading x-rays or anything like that and it's like <laughs> that's it's not your pay thing um but you know they're curious and stuff and things like that. It. but uh, it's also scary how little they know in certain areas but that's another topic um so you fell into the coaching role Pretty temps. much, i got asked and hadn't planned it i was like i was like i was a teacher i was gonna write i gonna do this married newly married what's whatever was coming next mm. on that sort of thing like so. and uh, and I'd give you know I think I was 31 at this point I was like I'd given a fair amount of time to to the sport um uh, I'd do a bit of fitness like a lot of retired rows maybe do a bit of sculling and just keep it recreationally stay fit or fitter enough balance out the beer um and uh but yeah and then it'd be yeah and um, so I did three years so uh, from 04 to 07 at Thames uh, as I said um, we had, we had you know, a lot of club rowing is, is definitely as much as about uh, recruiting as university and the stuff it is these days it's uh, we even schools do it these days so um, the we were lucky enough to like we had an uh, Brian Hoffman from the States. We had um, Andy Green, who actually who was in Oxford College, and tri- done some trialing. Um, we had uh, Larry Wells, who um, was p- learned to row at Leeds, I want to say. Was it was York, one of those two. Um, and then Tom O'Tos Moss, who'd done the boat race in 2001. And, uh, you know, the Tom was the coach in the boat. I'm the second year, uh, second year, I think probably first year also dealing with my father was passing at the time. So that was a bit, you know, there's a bit of a distraction. Um, Yeah. He died Henley week. (laughs) Um, Not, you know, it is what it is, but it's like, so I was actually on a plane going home when they, when they both lost the finals. But uh, as I should have been. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, it's, um, it was a privilege thing we you know I have curry with those guys still to this day um uh, when I came to London it's like it's like I've always got a plan in a slightly later session the next day uh, <laughs> you get on the water I mean you I don't believe that guys um <laughs> the and then and then we won the following year with uh, three of that four um uh Andy Green had come out and a guy called Ian Ian McCkaig uh came in um you can look him up he's uh he's one of them yeah I mean all of them have gone on to big things and stuff but Ian uh, is probably the entrepreneur of the group who uh you've heard of fit f-double-o-t yeah yeah he's one of the founders um okay <laughs> he's done all right um but interestingly like he doesn't he because he came in to an already existing group it, there's a different dynamic to the year before. And that, I think that's a very interesting part of, you know, people who do multiple years versus individual years and how that dynamic changes. But um, certainly see
2: that here every now and again. But um, So getting in, I mean, how was the the shift then from rower to coach? Did you find it easy? I mean, were there difficult bits? Did you struggle to get out of that row mentality? I mean, when we spoke to Tim Foster, I mean, we both sort of thought that I struggled to like not uh, care about them as if they were me you know, like to think of every athlete, like it became really difficult making cuts and and dealing with that pressure and that sort of stuff. Um, Definitely. I mean, I think, and I think those are,
0: um, I think that's part of your journey Mm. to learn how to separate those two things out. I was pretty certain, you know, I'd rode with these guys the year before or quite a few of them and then suddenly I was their coach and that was quite uh, making decisions about their future. Mm. And I know that, I'm almost certain that I'm not as close to some of them or it took that some of that, those relations took a dent because they, but that's the path I chose. And, you know, I remember one of the uh, the Thames old boys saying to me, I didn't think you would be able to do that. Mm. But um, you kind of, uh, uh, you know, you do your, I tried my best with seat racing and stuff to, 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 to be open about these things but, and to show where we were and stuff. But in the end, you just go, okay guys this is where we are this is the decision i'm making it's like we're not going to do an eight we're going to do a four or and these are things like um yeah and so as but interestingly a lot of those guys who took that hit initially have probably come back into my life like you know they are in different parts of the world and stuff like that but i still get um the last two years i've got a message from one of them know, he lives in darkest North of, uh North Scotland but I get a message every year going you know congratulations it's been doing that for a while but uh which is nice but there we go um yeah, so yeah. at the
2: moment when you're part of it it's uh like you can we we're talking with Al Sinclair Claire about this you can you can show them every piece of evidence that shows why they shouldn't be in the crew and they'll still sit down and go but I disagree with you because it's because they're there for them and yes yeah. it sort of takes a few years sometimes you can look back and be like I can appreciate what you're doing
0: yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think and that um I I guess I would be um surprised if someone didn't argue their case yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um it's interesting. But you know you, you I guess when it so we get reviewed every year and rightly so, you know, the students get their take on like how the season's gone and stuff like that and um and you know maybe it's like, well you win, therefore you don't, it's like, well, no, actually, I've had some pretty grueling reviews, um, and we've still won, but and I've had some great reviews and we've won, so I think that's quite, um, informative too. It's like, I think, uh, I guess we're jumping around a bit, a bit but I, one of my f- things I'm learning is that actually, um uh, I mean, I have to make tough decisions and stuff, and, and for those things, i not necessarily might not be liked as a head coach was maybe i would have, i was uh, i had better i had different relationships i think is a way of filling it with um as an assistant coach than I do with head coach and that's probably one of the tougher things i guess it it's a
2: reminder of the that that change back in 2004 but uh, it's a really it's a really big thing and what I think's interesting having done both worlds as an assistant coach there's probably no one that knows the head coach better or knows what they're thinking or what they're doing or what their job is but it's only when you become head coach that you're like, oh, this is different. Like, I thought I knew what this was, but yeah. now the buck stops with me. Yeah. And this is different. And you have to act different and you have to treat your athletes different. And you have to be a different person. Yeah. And the expectations on me at this role are much different to, you know,
0: Thames had won once. Yeah. When I took over, they'd won once and I'd won it. And they, had, <laughs> that, and they, and they hadn't won for 47 years. Previous that. So well, it's like, you know, you know. Do a do a good job and it's going to be fine. Yeah,
2: um, and and you can also do make Friday, make Saturday. There's more than one outcome. Yeah, yeah. yes, and yeah. people can be happy with it
1: too. Is not just an expectation of win or you've you've essentially failed. It's
0: oh, different. But, you know, we're in the men's captain's room uh, in Goldie Boathouse, and if you look around, there's no margins. It's just win or lose, yeah. along with your name. Yeah, going back to eighteen twenty nine. Wow, wow! Um, oh, I was in what corner over there, it's, you know it's like and above here's the, well about twenty nineteen well, it's actually yeah, it was on the table here there's two twenty in nineteen and twenties they're about to be put up, but oh, just over there everywhere, um but they get hand painted each year, but they do a batch of them, yeah. just because they' much of cost and stuff, but
1: unfortunately, that's what history remembers so you've either won or yeah. you've or
0: you've lost, and that's it, yeah, but. You say that, and I get like, yo, you've had a great year. It's like one of a few, yeah. <laughs> and and we've had a great year because we did a clean sweep. Uh, you know, and when we say clean sweep, there's like we had a clean sweep in 2018, and then the clean sweep, the like clean sweep before that was actually 25 years before that. So it, they're not had Oxford has more of than we've had. Um, Interesting. The. I think so anyway but the difference about this clean sweep is the alumni one the spares one the, there wasn't a single crew that lost whereas that's not always been the case but they're not thing and I think the the changes to one club uh I wouldn't say it's always been smooth but you know for um, we've all got the past and stuff and every single one of the coaches came from what the club was before and so we had to figure out how that all looked and stuff and that's taken time um, and I think probably still will take a little bit more time as we sort of um, let go of some of the and it is about letting go about stuff
2: um, or it is to me the um, that's another thing that's sort of spoken about a lot you know in, when, in reference to Cambridge like oh they've become one squad they've become one squad it's really like talked about a lot right? yeah. so it's not something again it's not something that just happens
0: no, no, and I think um, you, you know it's like we can talk about Cabrasim. is one squad, but it's two. It's two groups. Your training camps are apart and stuff oh, yeah. like that, and yeah. stuff. And I think you know we're we're figuring out where those things. So we did a training camp together last year, and there was lots of positives about going on camp together, but they were all off the water. Mm. Yeah, um, didn't add any value to what we did on the water being in the same place but it was the off-water stuff that was quite uh, quite good they got to um, hang out and become like get to know each other a bit better and play cards and mm. eat together and stuff although they're boys and girls so they tend to ate separately but um the it, <laughs> I'm not joking um happens at primary school happens at university um the so you know we're gonna try doing separate training camps this year because we wanted diff- slightly different outcomes from our camps, um, which is fine. So I think, I think, and I think, you know, we didn't have a camp in 2021. We, I'm um, sorry, 20, well, 2022 because of, it was still in COVID and there was like, is it the right thing to travel and that sort of stuff. And so we just, we did a Tideway camp. It was, which is actually a really good camp. Um, i would glad we weren't on the Tideway this time around because it was very cold in England. when uh, it, it was cold in Port, um, Spain when we were there, but it was really cold here. Um, the, yeah, so, you know, we're off to different training camp venues this year. Uh, I can't tell you where because it's plus. Well, no, it's not that. It's just like, well, I wouldn't want to say something and then we go somewhere else because yeah. something's yeah. fallen through. Yeah, So it's still being sorted. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'll be enjoying some gelati, hopefully. Um, okay, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good clue. The, yeah, and I mean the so yeah, so we, we're going to enjoy, we're going to try that, and we'll learn from that, reflect, and then maybe you know maybe it's something we do like a one training camp. Thing. So it's a, it's also really hard to find somewhere that can house a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, that's also not all that easy. Um, so. Uh, so that's that's so we're still looking at that that and um you know but um i mean it was an incredible like it's like with one hand you know the the statistics like we had incredible buy-in from all members across all three um legacy clubs about being the this there's the there was people said no to but like 90 percent and up well everyone was in favor of it so And the club's gone. Um, And I think, yeah, we've all, everyone's working their way through and trying to come up with a, um, what does this look like? Uh, As well as holding on to, you know, we don't want to, like, you'll still see the women with their red and yellow stripes and Mm -hmm. white stripes because that's the legacy of the history of their clubs. And, you know, the red stripe is around the, there weren't, a, there weren't. women weren't allowed to have a, a, a clean yeah. strip. So there's 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 holding to this thing. Some of those things, and I think if the club wants to go to one, I, I suspect there's a pathway, but there's a way of respecting everyone and them, which which um, balance out with costs and all the other things. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I thankfully don't have to um, have those discussions and ask my opinion. And I say it, but it's like you know I'm um you know i'm not a member you know it's like and because the membership the structure of this club is that you race the race and then you're a member mm. you're not you're not a member just because you trialed um and so yeah so it's like um but you know it's a pretty cool job to have i guess
1: i guess the part of you know setting the standard and leading the way from do, in doing something that other clubs potentially aren't doing is, is just Accepting them, there will be a, a period of time where you just have to try things out and then see which structures to implement. And then maybe you'll try something for a period of time and it will not work. Just like training out this, they're trying out those training camps in different places, merging them the way that you train, uh, doing pieces, sharing the boat house and everything. But I think overall, it's definitely a step that uh, has been perceived very positively in the in the rowing community. And I think why what in the in the modern world why, why separate right why if you can if you can use and share the resources there's more to be gained from the from the unity of the, of the squad and people getting on rather than also creating internal rivalries that can sometimes just get in their way of progress for hmm. essentially essentially no reason
0: yeah i mean and this club's rife with um uh, like if you go back into the past there's you know there's frictions between the lightweights and the openweights and and stuff and how the races are treated and stuff and that's that's the past uh i you know if you just look say on the i mean the women have always been one club so it's a, there's always been an element of like Imogen, for example doing the lightweight race stepping in stepping up and wanting to then do the open way race and um you know that and on the men's side you know um there's several members over the last few years who've actually been making that transition. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do a lightweight race and actually I want to see if I can push myself to go even faster and and compete with the open weights. Um, and I guess no dieting as well, but... Um, always a perk, I imagine. Um, very... Yeah. The Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're doing uh, a, a really a good job and we're learning and communication is always improving and we're trying to uh you know each year we support each other a bit more um and and i don't mean that like that you know that we're doing it begrudgingly i mean it's like actually you start to realize that we can start supporting each other because your job is like to look after your athletes but actually there's crossover and we can try and help each other a little bit uh, i think it doesn't cost us anymore we probably just makes it easier and stronger for it yeah. for it
2: yeah, I've realized that from like, being on the other side from coaching and stuff. It's uh um you take that Rose mentality to coaching and like, well, how much better can we get and how can I tweak this and how can I can do that bit? And like you said, and what P said, like you can get really stuck with uh, the fear of failure it can stop you from progressing, I think. So that's something that you have to have the confidence and to know that sometimes you'll change things and get it wrong. Um I did home countries this year with Wales and that I, I sort of remember I sort of this thought so thinking well. like no, no, I don't. my <laughs> parents moved to London. I was born in London, so I don't sound it from there. My um, wife's name is Sean. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think my first, I sort of thought, I remember thinking and that was the first time I'd sort of really been involved in logistics, trailers, boats, really like took that kind of role on four. Yeah, it's not the highest level event, but it's a world rowing event. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of what comes with that. And just thinking, God, these rowers have no idea what gets done for them. Yeah. and then the second thought being like but because all the star support staff are specifically working towards making sure that the rowers have no idea what's being done for them like in terms of not 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 saying it but like the whole point is get them focused on their job and, and we'll take care of everything yeah. else so part of the job sort of is doing that um yeah. i was going to ask like how is that how has that different obviously like we said we talked about this kind of race it's win or lose this squad system like compared to to london in terms of so their, there, is there a different way you approach it um,
0: I mean uh, if you watch back to uh, well some of the early interviews sort of like say with this year so I don't talk about officer. I can't control them no nah, yeah. um, acknowledge they're our opposition that's our job to go out and do the best we can against them um, and uh, you know there's some joint agreements and stuff like that we review because I would be negligent if I didn't but in the end it's like okay well that's what it is let's put it away and now let's focus on our job and our job is to go as fast as we possibly can because and if that's not fast enough and that's that's that feeling on the morning of 2022 it's like fuck around. if, if Oxford can beat that hats off because that's quick and they can beat that you know and both crews beat the previous record um, then, then that's going to be in a phenomenal race and um, you start to look for things other reasons why it's just it's joyful the um, the teaching the spending time the I do not always enjoy admin but at the same time I really enjoy my time on the water getting up at 5am I have done for now 11 years um I have never pressed snooze um, in that time. I You know, the goes off, I get up and I go, make my coffee, or have a shower, go make my coffee, sit, read the news or something, check on the emails, do some like, oh, someone's ill, sort that out. <laughs> and then off to the boat club, I go and meet them and off, we do our session and, and then the day begins. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what's different? Uh,
2: On the face of it, yeah, across the finish line first. Now, what else completely is different? I guess in terms of...
0: I mean, it's a privilege to have that mindset. You know, would I be in the same situation if I was at Oxford? But, like, I don't think we should be sort of going through the... um, And I think the thing I struggle with or have struggled with at times is the, when we start talking about hating Oxford, mm-hmm. it's like, but some of my best friends went to Oxford mm. and then they're still my friends. And actually I won my Henley medal with two guys who went to Oxford and it's like um, what happens on the water, stay on the water. Let's be mates off the water. And, and I know there's the sort of where, where you get it to in your rowing career has a, has a, that can be reflective in that, but I don't, i don't i don't certainly well on the women's side it's not a motivator to Mm -hmm. to hate your opposition Mm -hmm. um uh, they want to win but but they want to they also want to go fast they want to have they want to have uh have a positive experience they want to they want to they want to do well at their academics and stuff and they're not willing to um they're not willing to compromise their academics just Mm -hmm. for rowing um that's probably changed a, it's, that's changed a little bit, but underlying th- for the majority, it's like, no, I'm, you know, some do come here to row, but most come here for the academics and the adding to their network, to their, um, their learning, their thing, and then they get to do this cool thing called the boat race. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um,
1: but I agree. I agree with you. Like hating Oxford doesn't, doesn't make your boat go any faster. And that's just that shouldn't be the sole motivator we were just speaking with someone called dave bell you might recognize him Oh no, dave yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so he said that um the the rivalry between oxford and cambridge is quite interesting but ultimately it should be predicated on the mutual respect
2: because it doesn't need to go any further than this and yeah we were talking about how we, ftt is pretty crass and uh he said the gdbo which i think is gushed down bloody oxford which i think is such a great response yeah uh but yeah i mean at the end of the day i can't blame crews sometimes to try and grip hold of whatever they feel um you know whether they, they, you want to hate a club or not but like you said it's it's really as motivating as you as you make it and you can pick something else yeah and you don't want to give the opposition a reason like i think ftt if i rode for cambridge would you know light me on fire like all right let's go yeah. like you've just given me a bit more yeah Uh, I think there's, I I don't know the exact
0: details, but I think there's a story of um, one of uh, Matthew Pinson's first worlds where he makes a comment about the Russians' tracksuits and then the Russians go kick his ass. Um, It's like, yeah, you don't give your opportunity. It's like, you just, like, one, why would you give them fuel? But also, you can't control them. Yeah. And there is, you know, we've each got our own, things in our box that we can control or we can like we can cope with on the day why are we going to add something that we can't control so trying to trying to teach them those skills is actually and so yeah we don't talk about um you don't talk about the wind streak we don't talk about things like um I worry I personally worry about it like you know I worry that and I think it's the uh is actually something the the All Blacks book uh, legacy told me is like if we're not if the moment we stop thinking about going faster and we think about actually, well, we've got this big win streak, we'll lose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes on not just me, but that goes on their mindsets, the, how they tackle training. And because like, if you're coming to Cambridge because we win and you think that's it, that's you know, we're not going to keep winning um, or we're not going to have great races. And actually for me, I want to have great races. I want to have great races for women's rowing. Mm. I think... Um, we're starting to see an increased depth. I think we're almost at the point where there's more women rowing than men rowing uh, in this country. Uh, certainly in Australia, that's the case, and mm-hmm. has been since I was in my tw- early twenties. Um, so, but let's make sure we're going out and having great racing. You know, if uh, you guys have watched the semi-finals the NCAA's, holy crap! You know, difference between a final and b final could be four crews separated by point. 2 of a second sort of thing 0.4 wow. of a second it's like uh, yeah it's really cool you know there might be a crew like a Texas or a Washington that actually mm. does do, is maybe half a length up but they're only half a length up not okay wow. where's everyone um, yeah yeah it's you know, not it's like, easy yeah so i think there's there's depth and there's a growth and there's a love for our sport in in um being, and and i think one of the the things that you know people watch around the world is the boat race. So let's 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 like let's keep winning. Sure, let's do everything we can to keep holding. You know, being proud of that. Um, but also, let's let's. I'm not going
2: to sit here and diss Oxford because I want them to have a great race. No, uh, you want to you want to beat the best opponent. Do you? Yeah, you don't want your yeah. opponent weakened. You know, you want to win knowing. Yeah, that you had the best race for sure. Yeah. yeah,
0: and that's and that's and and I and I reflect on you know I went back to like in two thousand and three when I won my Henley medal. It's like I don't remember my my Henley win with like the racing itself, the box. Yes, great, but the race, the great race I had against um, Brooks Marlow. Now that's the race I remember, and yeah. we oh, yeah. we still talk about as a crew. But it was
2: the Henley's Is like yeah, yeah, we were two lengths clear by the end of the island. It's like. It wasn't a race then, was it? Yeah, yeah so, a, I tell all my crews, you know, when they've had a close race and they've lost, they're the ones I've remembered the most. I've yeah. lost Henley. I have won Henley once. I've also lost it by six foot, three feet, and one foot. One yes. foot lost in the plate. It was my closest. And it is an incredible race to be a part mm. of. It was yeah. incredible noise. And I can, I can think the ifs and buts. But at the end of the day, mm. like, it's very difficult in the moment when you've just lost yours by a foot. Yeah. to believe what's being told you but i think and um, over time those things come um, yeah we well, we naturally want to look back and go actually yes i remember
0: um elements of that that you know i i remember a reflection on choices i made and mm-hmm. stuff and actually you know, and as long as we sit back and in the end going well actually this is this is my past and this is and these are all the things i'm proud of and i can acknowledge
2: my mistakes then man, I, I've had the great experiences and it's made me a better human being. You have to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. So you have I'm to have a the a yeah. confidence to do that. Um, I wanted to ask then, Yeah, talking about um, what your focus is here, obviously moving from Thames and having nothing to lose to being here and it being win or lose and then finding yourself positioned position of having the, cl- the, queen's, the clean sweep. Um, you sort of said yourself once you got that red box in your own growing career, just sort of tailed off how – how do you not let that happen how do you keep going how do you bring something new to the table and i think that's where the gurus come in it's like you keep being inquisitive about the things you don't know
0: yeah. and i am still learning um and i think the the one of the things that you know we could talk about the amount of research that is actually out there on women specific um sport and the you know there's plenty of people advocating that but um we should be asking ourselves questions of, okay, well, so this is how I was taught. I was taught by um, a male, and actually, let's acknowledge not they're not the differences between men and women, and how the the physical makeup, the the, the you know internal and external, um, and what can we be doing to. Uh, coach to the strengths mm. not just coach because that's how rowing's supposed to be done mm-hmm. and so um you know sort of tapping into and exploring as like you know grace was incredible f- for me you know in terms of like oh you set your boat up like that but but you're tall and um you know but you've actually got the handles quite low and stuff like I'm, it's not my place to to share the measurements so the but you know the way she she was set up in the boat makes you really think about actually well yeah women are stronger in the legs and the and the hips than in the upper body so let's make sure that we're rigging in a way that enhances those strengths not you know we talk about it you know and coaching is about like let's identify our weaknesses and stuff but let mm-hmm. also identify our strengths and go how can we you know we want our weaknesses to not break us but there are some things that we're not going to overcome mm-hmm. you know the 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 balance between upper body and lower body strengths male to female is always going to be different mm-hmm. there might be a couple of outliers but as overall in a yeah. sport they're always going to be different so let's start thinking about how we can row to those strengths rather than think men. Um I I hope there are lots of other male coaches because where there's so many of us who are also thinking on those lines. But uh I think the the majority coach what they know and that's I think I've been lucky to be able to get paid to do this so I have more time to, to reflect than most because mm-hmm. yeah you know, that's I think that's what I would say is one of our strengths is that and I encourage my t- the team, the athletes to be asking those questions, is this right for us or, and I don't say, well, just because you think so, that's the way it is. It's actually like, well, okay, then let's find out what, the, what we can be doing differently and be inquisitive and, you know, let's find out more about how we can, uh, the menstrual cycle about, um, you know, what's happening to our bodies at different times of the month. And so therefore, you know, can't move the races so i'm not going to say well we do less but how what do we need to put in place to support you
2: to be able to be your best or to think on those days and you know i saw some research in with football about how um it was like acl tears and stuff was so much more prominent prominent at certain times based on what else was going with physiology and things like that and you just think from as a from a coaching hat, it's like i feel it's quite exciting to think, you know to, and it's like you said working with men in sport there's not really everyone's on nutrition everyone's on f- physiology that's kind of there and in women's sport you're like there's this thing that not everyone knows about and we can lean into it yeah and it's like the expression free speed you know there's women have to grab hold of something that's very rare in high level sport i think in the world today yeah certainly in men's sport the, the conventional model yeah. but i think we have to um you know
0: you know the question at the moment is like what's contraception doing yeah the, the pill is like you know so there's those questions and I, not a medical professional, not even going to go into it, but the, you know, it's, we have athletes on the pill, we have athletes not on the pill, we have other forms of contraception. So we got to give them the tools to make the choice that's right for them and give them the support. It's like, well, I'm making this choice and this is the other things I need to be thinking about. And also, they're young people and they're still trying to figure out what does a performance athlete look like, someone who just wants to do sport. And so there's there's those balancing acts of trying to, create an environment where they can be inquisitive and oxbridge I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same certain thing is that Oxbridge are, are generally perfectionists mm. they hate getting shit wrong mm. um so trying to create an environment of where well, actually no you know they hate getting things wrong but they've got plenty wrong they just don't necessarily not very good at acknowledge them i want to try and create an environment where it's safe to make mistakes and try things and go Oh, dear, that wasn't a bad, good idea. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. That would be my, like, let's find new levels. But when you're, you know, they have lots of, they're, they're smart people. They have lots of conversations in their own heads, let alone with other people. So there's lots of information coming at them. So, you know, they can jump on the bandwagon here and jump on the bandwagon here. So you got to you got to be pretty clear about what it is you want them to do had a great one the other day i said look i want to start this piece at this and then you can do whatever you want uh, I, and then literally i was like but you want me just to go, just keep going fast even though the rate's going low? I was like no I was, okay right Ned, yeah, no mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um yeah so it we'll see but um I think you're definitely walking in
1: the uncharted territory and probably one of the first people like on, on that path as especially cambridge like because you can actually like, put a lot of research into into like finding out and asking so. those questions like what it is that can be different and improve for women in sport and i think there's definitely a lot of clubs and chatter around clubs uh potentially when they don't have the resource those kind of resources wondering what is cambridge doing how are they finding this out and how is that benefiting and is this something that you've done since you came to Cambridge or is this more of the last four or five years sort of thing?
0: Um so when we were sort of uh, off air we were um we we're talking a bit about COVID and I think um so Richard Chambers is a friend. Uh he worked here for a brief period and we have the you know back and forth and there's certainly a group of us that would chat over during COVID about um and we don't always agree. That that's which is fine. But but um but what we do agree on is that we've got to be um, creating more opportunities and create more, um, create more it, it, for women to explore how to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we rare. I think with when we had, I don't believe that when we were learning to win in that first period, when the reality was we, we weren't having these conversations. You know, the the conversation about the differences of men and women really came out through COVID mm-hmm. and the lionesses have helped drive that forward and stuff. But um, I, as a young coach, never would have had the confidence to talk about periods and menstrual cycles and stuff. And I was like, no, eh, we're just talking about it. It's why is it a thing? <laughs> um, 52% of the population have them. So let's just talk about them. the. Um, and if we can normalize that, then we can talk about the conversations that, oh, you're not having a period. Right. Okay. Well, that's not okay. So let's talk about how actually, like, it's not a short term problem, it's a long term problem. So let's yeah. see what we can do to turn that around and offer the support and put those things in, the, those supports in place. Um, because no one wants an athlete to then. You know, we don't do it for ourselves. We do it for because we want to pass on the positive experiences yeah. that we had to to the to to them, and we want to, and we think we're pretty good at it. So we try and pass on the right things. Um, at least that's what I believe. But um I think you know, there's an element of I just turned fifty, so I there's there's each year I think I become I don't give a shit anymore. So I'm just gonna <laughs> do this. Um so, I think that's. I think that's the. They're the components that is continuing to make make us successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I does still think you know we, you know we're successful against Oxford. We're still in the mix with the other clubs. You know we don't. We haven't done well that well at Henley for a long time. But we have our own challenges when it comes poke race, to handling with academic uh, pressures and stuff um as well as bumps and balls and all the other things that these students get to do it, and i know at oxford they have the same things in a slightly at slightly, slightly different times um you know as a perfect example some universities have uh an exam period that lasts two weeks ours lasts three months um yeah. it's pretty hard to organize things when you've got those sort of things, those sort of challenges yeah yeah um
1: I guess some of those factors that you've named also aren't really a cause or what you'd consider a cause. They're like an effect. So, for example, if you are missing a menstrual cycle, then that's that's the effect. So, you, you then, like, unless you talk about this, then you 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 won't ever get to, like, the why or the underlying reason of, like, why that happened in the first place or how can we prevent this into the future or sort of, like, even viewing the, the tangible effects or... Uh, that on the on the program so would you say that since you've started talking about this more and implementing changes in the program have, have there been any tangible differences notice uh, noticeable like what are you looking through the data or in terms of how the squads run the atmosphere things like that? i think um
0: since we started talking about it not a large number thankfully but um i'm pretty sure there are people who still aren't confident enough to talk about it yet but um i know some athletes have come to me. We've had negative experiences going to the doctor and said, "Oh, it's fine." It's like, how do I report this person? Because it's not fine not to have your period. Period. Um, the but the joy is that you hear and then you put some supports in and you empower them to you know to to think about their their diet and and monitor you know just monitoring. You know, it would be a huge step forward for most 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 clubs. And that doesn't cost a lot of money. You can make a Google sheet and, you know, get a kid with a bit of programming and bang, you can get notifications and everything. Um you can um you know just help educate them on how to deal with those stresses, what bras to wear that you know, they're not expensive things to to offer as support. I guess the privilege we have is that we're I know the, que- I, I, I guess I know I have the time and stuff to find the questions. So therefore I can have the time to put the, the thing. And if you're, you're on your own and trying to do the best and you've got boys and girls and you have the equipment manager and you're everything else is like, I don't have any time to do that. You know? And I get that. I've been there. Um, the. Uh, yeah. Um, you know we're trying to create the opportunity for them to be athletes and not harm themselves you know not having a period leads to osteoporosis that's bad mm-hmm. um, no one needs to be you know later in life trying to have kids and your brains your bones are breaking and stuff or because you know you tripped or something it's not that's just none of that's cool um, and the reality is a society we ha- all have weaker bones than well you guys do than me mm-hmm. and because i dug in the soil and kids don't do that anymore and stuff and maybe that's part of the problem i don't know but um i'm digging in myself there about the soil but anyway no but uh, i mean I, I grew up in poland so i definitely used to play around in sand pits but a lot of kids don't get to do that anymore and stuff and um you know we don't play outside we don't play on trees because of well you know the world's a lot bigger place now than it was and things and pros and cons to that but I
2: think you want people... Yeah, obviously, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. The higher you get, the more that something's going to affect you potentially in a negative way. But, you know, we all do this because we love this sport and you want everyone else to love it. Yeah. And the best way to get people involved is to is to have them not break themselves, you know, in the first six months that they do it. Um, and I also think, like, from an athlete's perspective, you know, as you start getting into sport and loving it and you start reading books on, you know, I was getting nutrition books and finding a stretching book and and you and you want to lean into the things and learn all these things it just all becomes part of looking after yourself and that's what's becoming a, a better athlete is mm. um and like you said i like the quote that you have is sort of fire, fire yourself mm. from the things you're not good at and you're sort of in different ways like okay here's something that we could be working on i know nothing about that let's find someone who does mm. and then learn and then the other thing is even if other clubs can't do what you're doing it's feeding down yeah because that's just how it does people look at cambridge oxford squad what are they doing we want to do that so if you have the resources and you can do this and plus you know your athletes will go off and will finish in this system and go to thames and share that knowledge so like it also feeds down so i think it's even bigger what you guys are doing than than just the athletes that you're looking after and it's yeah. potentially inspirational as well for sure yeah and you know what
0: Brooks is doing is quite inspirational in terms of finding speed and the depth of their squads and stuff. And you know, they, um, and there'll be parts of how they run things that we agree to disagree on, and that's that's absolutely fine. It's there's no there's a way that people will make work, and I think thankfully there's no like this is the only way yeah. that would be really quite boring in a, in the world, but. um mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Thames has done an incredible job of, of finding their system uh, that works, and you know, but also if you look, get in close, and as a lifetime member, but the um, you know they're having fun. They're, yeah. There's 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 more than just they're having fun and relaxed, and therefore, and yes, they're they're passionate about the sport, so they're actually learning rather than actually going. You've got to get this right, and the you know the the balance of finding speed and enjoying yourself and learning how to be, um, you know, mind, more mindful about how our presence on ourselves, our presence around others and stuff and, and, and taking on those things. And, um, um, I don't know. I think, I think, the I'm I, you know that's the next thing I'm going to try and tap into to, but not not because I want them um, sort of you know meditating or something in the in the corner I want them to acknowledge you know we we're an incredibly privileged institution they've worked very hard to get here mm. um uh, but we're doing an incredibly we've got this Guys, I'm a bloody rowing coach from a state school in Adelaide, and I'm talking to you guys. And I've been on the BBC, and it's like, really, really, is this really happening to me? Um, and yes, I've worked hard, but it's also the right place at the right time, and there's you know I've been lucky. Um, and, but it is rowing, you know. And let's put it into context: it's rowing. It's a big part of our lives. Yeah. I can still walk into Cambridge, and people have no idea what it is that I do, <sighs> and what's the boat race. Even in Cambridge, even in Cambridge, the you know go to the barbers and it's like, what do you do? Running? No,
2: rowing. What's that? Uh, Okay, fine. I remember telling people uh, that I rowed as as my job, and they were like, oh, oh, you teach kids how to row? No, no, I row. you rowing people pay you well sort of it's a lot of your taxes pay me but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um that's an interesting one this i did want to ask about how 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 did you find that the the media um having cameras follow you around interviews Um, did you struggle with it like you said finding finding your boat on the front page of the of yeah so i mean that was that was i mean a lot of that well that all fell on rob uh you know he was the head coach and and
0: um yeah rob baker so the you know we were lucky enough that i mean we've all got always got the opportunity to media training if we want it um but i think the you know it is rowing the people the bbc things, uh, thing the, the local newspapers and stuff that when they want to interview us you know it's like they do a pretty good job of just explaining it's like you know, we want you can tell us if you don't want something included, we won't include it. Um, and because actually, they're not looking for a negative story. Mm. Uh, they're looking for, I guess, they're, they're looking for a piece to enhance the race. The race is the the big picture. Um, it's what happens on the water, as it should be. It's not, you know, I'm. Um, when I'm done, it will take a couple of years and then I will be just part of
2: history and that'll be it. Um, and probably won't even be talked about and et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine. Um, We've heard uh, this year that the media attention will be very focused on one thing. It's the twins on either side. <laughs> well, actually, there's possible of two lots of uh, sisters racing each other. Oh, they love that. The media yeah. loves that. Uh, yeah.
0: Because um, so Helen, uh, what's Helen's last name? So Helen was in Cyrus last year. She's now here.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So she's doing a PGCE. Um, uh, she was in three seat of Cyrus last year, okay. and then Catherine, yes. So who um, heard her back? So hasn't rotated a little bit. But yeah. So the, the twins end up racing each other. So that you would can be... just you can palm the media off on them. Yeah, that, that was kind uh, of, like, very interesting. Well, and you know, and but we'll make the we'll, you know we will also be sitting down with Gemma at some point, and uh, and I hope. The same thing will happen and for Catherine is that, you know, it's like, okay, so we're going to set up some media training days because. Yeah, it's coming. It's, well, even if it's not coming and she says, I don't want to do it. Actually, what I will say to her is like, well, you know, the club port does this for you and the race does this for you and this is position and I, you yeah. know, she'll be absolutely fine to do it now. She might not have been mm. as comfortable if she, this was the situation she was an 18 year old or 19 year old. Um, we'll make sure she has the media training so because she won't i remember that being the first time it's like being afraid of what i'd say yeah and then realize and then actually starting the job and going well i say what i say and i think the first interview i did with a news reporter i think i was i had three I had three pints so i was like fine i'd just say whatever and then the <laughs> article was lovely and i was like okay well he really just does what to say what i think um but that can help having having a couple it, of pints. courage yeah, it's probably not you know it's it's obviously not the best advice career wise, but you know, it went worked out well and stuff, and you know, it wasn't mainstream newspaper, so it was fine. But <laughs> okay. um, you know, I think Yeah. We talk about rowing, we look after them as human beings, uh, in the the the, the soft skills, I guess a little bit, and we try and create um a safe place to fail. And well, let's see what we can do with it. Um and the, the 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 element of what we do that is always hard, and where the that that contradicts, and a lot of people just think, "Well, like so, well, you know, sixty people start, you just carry sixty people." I was like, "No, well, that's why we have colleges. If the college, if we kept all the athletes in the college, and you didn't get them back, we'd have uproar." You know, there's only two cities in the world where 50 percent of the student population will try the sport of rowing, and that's Oxford and Cambridge. Mm. Um, most universities in the world will be, yeah, might be 100 people in the whole university, same size, but 100 people, you know, we've got 10, 12, 15,000 people at this university wow. who will have tried the sport of rowing. And that'd be the same at Oxford. It's actually yeah. a bigger university, so possibly even more. But, you know, we've got 31 colleges. Every single one of them will have at least one boat, some of them up to five boats in just the women or just and the men um, that will race in the in the two bumps races some of it will be horrible, some of it will be okay. And, you know, and our part of that, their journey when they come here is, you'll have those internationals, those people who will come in and want to do the boat race, and then we'll have, um, uh, you know, the school leavers who go, actually, I would love to do the boat race, and that sounds like a really cool way of ending my thing because I am either don't have the passion or don't have the belief that the international pathway is what they want to do. Um, so we have people starting we have people finishing we have and then we have these college kids who you know you can go back to who might have done a bit of swimming or done different sports and it's like oh we can do this wrong thing and they do one year at their college and they go some of them come to us because like yeah the college is driving me nuts they're not taking seriously enough or something it's like well that's because it's you know they're figuring out you know your coach is generally a second year in your first year. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky enough to have a good coach, that thing with, you know, at least someone's helping you get on the water and having a go at it. Uh, and we're here to take that in, but it's also the fear of failure is we'll go from a squad of 60 to a squad of 20 or 30 with our spares, you know, and we have to do that over the next three months. And that's tough for them to worry about whether they made it. And then they have to pinch us: did I really make it? Um, And then it's it's like, oh, but I just missed out on the blue boat and stuff. And so it's, it's a, that's probably the hardest job to create a positive environment Mm. because a negative environment can pull everyone down. And we've got to, like, we've got to be managing those things to keep building everyone because, you know, when you've rode and you're sitting alongside someone and you're going, but okay, well, they're doing that and this is teaching me. And, uh, I think, or I was like, oh, they're a couple of meters ahead of me, right? And I'm just going to see what I can change and not let them know I'm doing it. And yeah. you know, there's there's little rivalries and stuff, but it's always got to be about it's always got to be about how we hold each other up. Yeah, not yeah. We I think that's what we've well, we've hold on to really strong. There's no in my ten years we've not had, or we've if if we've had some challenges, we've managed those challenges, not let them just get out of control
1: yeah but well, that's kind of touched upon what I wanted to ask you next which is obviously you've been here for a decade and you've seen the the boat the races go from through many different locations the clubs merging there's new different ways of training and everything what would you say is like the most challenging part about having such a short season to to trim the pool of 60 athletes down to 20 30 something and and like how could you uh, how do you keep adapting to it as
0: well? I think what the toughest part is making them be able to walk away with being proud of how that what they contributed, that they that they feel that they've added value, or that they have helped build the team that is hopefully holds itself to the to the values. You know, our value is um, you know our value is actually care. We don't use respect anymore, but we used to be respect. Um, the, the, the club has its own values that it buys into, but as a, as the, um, as the women's team, our, our value is care, you know, how do we care for each other to make ourselves stronger? How do we care for each other to just our mental health? How do we, just how do we care for each other? Um, how do we care for the equipment? Care just covers everything, but it does it in a, um, thing. And it was actually, it was actually watching just a random LinkedIn, was scrolling through my linkedin and i saw a little article about it was a uh, one of the new zealand professional rugby teams oh, yeah. and and uh, it was a guy going it's like yeah actually, we, we just care for each other and in the you know the third uh, you know getting into the last few minutes when you get knocked down if you care for your teammates you'll get straight back up if you don't you'll take a little bit longer yeah and i and i but it, it was like oh, i heard that and then actually just went we have used respect since i was a kid and I just feel like it was, it's still a great word, but it has lost lost its value. Um, or it's just so broad that it has no meaning. So uh, yeah, we we just, we're talking a lot about how care and uh, it also chimed in with like, it wasn't our word last year, but it was the word, it really was the word that described last year and how um, we cared for each other and through the good and the bad times, um, you know, and it's very much, a, you know, it's our problem. But, you know, we went on training camp last year and we had we had so much rain on the first day. Oh, my God, there was so much rain. Um, like there was rivers coming down the streets and wow. stuff, into and there were trees being washed in. And I think we lost, between the men and us, I think we lost um, one, two, three, four, five, six, oh. something like eight, maybe even ten carbon fins. Oh. And it's like, you know, aluminium fins went on. We lost a few of those as well. But um you know, we had a, a alumnus who happened to be coming in. He's like, Can you bring some more fins with you? Uh-huh. Um and you know, that was that was unfortunate. It was just one of those years and I'm sure they won't experience that again this year. But I'm not going back because I don't want to see that
2: much rain in one day ever again. Um yeah. yeah, I love that. I love care. I mean we spoke before about um you pull hard with your mates, you know, and we tried to make sure that there are sessions or times where they got a chance to um, spend more time with them, especially like in this, in like university environment, cause they're in such different programs so quite often not even training together or in the boat together. Um, so that was a big one. Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, the other thing I like just in terms of, it, it goes with care and respect, you sort of twice said, well, we agree to disagree. And I think that's almost a lot lost art form. I think people aren't willing anymore to sit in a room with someone that they disagree with, and I think like I agree, to be yeah. able to be like I, we're both professionals. We both have an opinion. There's more than one way to skin a cat. We'll agree to this on this one. We can still work together, and I think that's like that comes into it. The care respecting as well. I just think there's so many people now, just like no, I don't agree with you. Yeah, I mean, so- what what the cause
0: is, we can have our theories about whether it's you know social media and the echo mm. ec- the echo chambers that we're all in, on yeah, um, and and sort of polarizing everything yeah, yeah yeah and I, it's not healthy There was definitely I mean one of the team was a trunk voter and um they were like but actually you know that's uh, you know that's American politics yeah, and it, yeah. it sounds horrible to me the whole American politics but also I don't live it mm. so um I can easily sit on a um on a windowsill and have an opinion but actually I don't live it um we have Brexit. We've had a few things in the last few years. Even COVID mm. is such a, a polarizing uh, element to our society, and people people absolutely have the right to. It's not that people don't have the right; it's the people's. Um, it's that balancing of people's opinion versus listening to experts, mm. and I think, yeah, I think that's 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 dangerous. When we're not willing to even listen to le- experts, and I've—I mean, I've watched on social media just watch someone, I watched someone shut down an epidemiologist. I'm like, oh, okay,
2: I'm done with, I'm done with yeah. Facebook. Like, I'm not having like, yeah. that's just, yeah, that's just so bad. Yeah, there's a doctor yeah. making a point, and then someone's like, yeah, but this YouTube video I watched, yeah, and they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Finish the like, conversation. You know, we've got soldiers doing
0: this, and I'm like, man, yeah. um luckily we we just
2: talk about right yeah exactly exactly
0: (laughs) much simpler exactly and you know i'm um yeah i i I, the first day i went this is my political views if you contradict them that's fine but these are mine yeah um and uh you know and i but i i i think listening to people with different political views just because they're they have different views in other areas. Doesn't mean they have different views to you in every area. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that's also the the ugly part. You know, I have some very close friends that I totally disagree with politically, but on the rowing front, yeah, we're all on the same page. Yeah, and that's um, and when we can't separate those two, 100% agree. That's 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 sad. And yeah. you know, there's an element of if I hit 50, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, you know i i um people are allowed to be emotional and that's fine and yeah. it should be like it doesn't just because you're emotional doesn't mean you shouldn't be listened to or you have to sort of um think you know, I had a conversation well, I'm been sidetrack here I talked to one of the coxons this morning and he's like oh you know you'd you're treat you know of Cox men and of Cox women and I said well what do you find the difference and it's like oh well you know men you can just sort of be a bit more blunter with and stuff and actually I feel like I need to care it's like well what do you feel you need to care it's they're expressing emotion. It doesn't mean they need more emotional support. And, so, and there'll be a line where well, maybe they do, but pretty sure the bloke over here probably does too, just doing a better job of hiding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Very true. So, you know, let's, let's question. I know when I deliver bad news, I'm probably going to get tears. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I have to suddenly go, they're there, it's going to be okay. Actually, what I need to do is just give them the time, and we'll ha- continue to have the conversation. And I respect that they're just showing emotions, and that's mm. fine. um yeah. I guess underline treat people like human beings. Treat, yeah,
2: feel like you want to treat themselves. I'm not religious, but a- there are some pretty good values in there. That's a really interesting one. I think it's it's funny, isn't it? Quite often it's assumed in rowing, like okay, so so this is how we treat the men. How would we treat the women differently? Well, this is this is how I would coach women, or this is how I would coach them differently. <laughs> It might be interesting to actually look at what we're doing really well there and bring that back to men. We're talking about like being open, honest emotions, those kind of things. Like, are we actually being way too blunt? You know, is there is there somewhere to access like how this system works? Mm-hmm. Women are a lot more supportive of each other, They're a lot more open with their problems. Like, maybe just being like, well, hey, I could just as the cocks tell them to like get your body bladed. You know, mm-hmm. like there's different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. That, that's really interesting the way you kind of flip that on. Its yeah, way. I mean, I think. I mean, again,
0: I'm lucky, you
2: know, some of these alumni do
0: some pretty extraordinary things. Um, Kath Bishop being one of those people,
2: you know. We're going to hopefully speak to her soon, as not it?
0: Yeah. Um, her book's fabulous. Um, and it really does make you sort of start to go, actually, and, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. She, she, you know, she talks about her journey. Not all of it's positive, but she still managed to achieve, get to that level when no I mean, when she won a silver, only one crew had ever won a silver medal before at the Olympics, you know, which was the quad four years before and she was running with one of them. Um, Breaking new frontiers, was like, okay, well now they just do it. But there's those, those learning how to win is not easy. Um, The Romanians do do it very well. But anyway, Um, you know, her book, you know, that, you know, the conversations during COVID, just being able to, you know, British Rowing uh, or GB Rowing offering the webinars that I was lucky enough to be able to sort of just listen into, and just you know, talk about women in sport and actually how little we know, and going, okay, well, I'm at one of the most prestigious universities in the world. If we don't know, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to rewrite the because I don't have the knowledge. No one does. So let's just do what we do, and then just chip away the soft at the moment at the softer side of things and then hopefully through time you know a lot of people have the perception that we we have we have very close ties to the universities mm. but we don't work for the university mm. we are a club on its own it's the same as oxford i believe um you know, i don't have a university email address i have a i have a google email address um and you know we have exceptional relationships but i can't like a u.s university i can't go to the admissions department and go can you help this person out uh i'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than that in the u.s too but, oh yeah <laughs> um the you know you know i'm not an employee of the university um and so I can't. Well, and my, my point here is that I can't go to the sort of a department and say, oh, you know, we, we, it'd be great if we could we create a a research project. And so one, I don't have any money to to, to help support that. So there's not really a, you know, most things are money driven, even in academia. Yeah. Um. So it's. But if I can be around and let let people know that I'm interested in hearing about these things and stuff, and say, look, if we can get involved and still, do, we we need to be able to do what we do, but if we can share data or be do something like that then hands up we'll be there um because they're all absolutely fascinated by they want to know more they want to they want to they want to be part of the journey they're, they'd be a little bit nervous or something like that or or it seems too big but if they can be part of it that'd be cool they don't potentially lead on it um i think that'd be really cool I think I think even just talking about it is
1: is is a great thing because you never know who might be listening and maybe there's someone who actually just has the perfect resources and and the time just freed up for them and then they're actually able to take that project on or tell someone else about it and that's why it's uh, it's really enjoyable to like mix in and speak with lots of people from the from the rowing world because you can exchange ideas and you can think about you know solutions which will make it more enjoyable as a a sport but also more watchable and then maybe less uh, more distant from politics like you said like most people want to get into sport to avoid being into politics but there's also yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there are also you know you've got club politics which you need to abide by etc but i just think definitely the more recognition we can we can give to those issues in the sport the more likely they are going to be picked up by someone who who actually can spend some spend some time on it and you know you don't need to be a part of university in order to make any real change or even like propel that because i'm pretty sure if someone was doing an academic research project on this they would they would also like come and come and speak to you and ask your opinion about this having got so many years of experience in 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 those kind of areas I think the underlying
0: is mm-hmm. like the more I do this, the more I realize I don't know. That's the best way think about
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's and also I, and, the and I like to chip
0: away at So it's like if I can chip away and learn bits and pieces and start to put the puzzle together in my own head, hopefully in the right direction, um, then that's then that's adding value, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah i wanted to ask if you would mind sharing
1: some secrets of your technical model that you implement <laughs> here at cambridge is because i always love watching the, the boat race and just look at how neat the blade work is how sharp it all goes and obviously it's it's a really interesting environment that you you work with at the within within the boat race itself because you could have internationals you could have college rowers you could have people who've wrote nationally etc how do you like bring them all together and make them follow the exact same framework um what sort of foundations are you
0: are you looking upon? Um without giving away too much, obviously. No, no, no it's fine. It's fine. Um uh, well, yeah. So I'll let you choose whether you decide to use this. So um a few years ago we had uh so a very um well in my opinion, someone who is an incredible has been an incredible uh contributor to women's rowing in this country is actually a guy called Miles Forbes Thomas. Um, he, you know, you talk about Paul Thompson, entertains but, but without Miles and, and a few others, but without Miles there actually chipping away at the 96 and, and bringing those athletes to London, then Tomo doesn't walk into a world to, to take over from there. Um, and I wasn't part of that. So I'm sure I'm getting snapshots of how that'll fit. But anyway, so like Miles is an interesting character and, um, and, sadly won't talk to me because i because we parted ways but that's 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 sad but um but he probably is if i was to list the people who've taught me things he's at close to the top of the list and um the so he, he 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 helped me question things about what we do and and you know he would come in and it was guest coach so he'd come in and give us some technical things and I was like okay that's the way we go And actually and then I, and I suddenly realized one day as like actually he's coming in as a guest coach and he's seeing some issues or some things and he's giving us a solution to fix that in the very short time frame we have it's not necessarily how he would coach a crew from the beginning yeah but because of his depth of knowledge and his understanding of band, I think he's like and so from an impact coach he was phenomenal um, and, and yeah, I'm I'll honestly say, you know, some physiological stuff, some technical stuff that he probably helped, um, shape the style we wrote as did Valeri, you know, we don't use Valeri anymore because we had the peach system and, and that is, that is what it is. But, um, you know, Valeri's book, um, you know, we talked just got a slight segue. It's like, if people are struggling to find knowledge, I think getting on the subscription list of the Larry's subscription, list like, it costs like 20 quid you buy, you pay 20 quid and forever you're getting his, um, his uh, newsletter. And, you know, some of them are like, "Whoa, that's deep. And some of them are like, okay, but there was one, I can't remember if it was last world or 2021, but he was like, he did some, vi- he like uh, some friends of it, he did some video analysis and he was looking at, you know, how on video now they, they can do, they can do all the points and stuff so he was like they did some analysis between men's and women's rowing it's like wow someone's actually done something that's looking at the differences between the two i'd never read anything till that point and about you know the successful rowers the women were longer on the legs the men were uh more legs and bodies you know there was a more of a hip swing for the men's crews and there's it more it's like right okay because and then that ties in with some of the stuff that Valerie talks about. You know, time on the foot stretcher versus power. Well, and then it comes into a little bit about you know what I was like. Well, do we have we have a, a bigger ratio between men and women between leg strength through to upper mm-hmm. body strength. So let's take it that it's like if we focus on the legs, then we're looking for that volume piece. We're looking for time time in the water, not necessarily as much not as so much as about the power. Uh, power is important, but yeah, but it's not. But we're not. Um, men can probably roll a little bit shorter, or can roll a little bit shorter, and but because of the power, they can really fill it out. Mm. But because of the recruitment of and the explosion, again, lots of variations. But we, you know, we need to talk about time in the water and having the skill to do that, and then adding the power. Mm. Um, and that's what you see. It's like you know, we see us rowing long in the water. Um, that's what we try and do, and we. So we have the you know, we tr- that's 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 and that's a lot about it and then we talk about you know some of those exercises that miles told me and i still do you know quadruple feather <laughs> uh we
2: not always out. great on the wrists but you know it's a yeah um we went on the training camp uh with the college we were coaching last year and uh my old school wearing coach came for the day and uh like i'd forgotten that some of the things i was saying were his things yeah. Yeah. and uh yeah i think we were just i was talking about the concrete slot he used to tell me "Like, imagine you're wearing in a little narrow path and it's just uh, i've a heard, slot. i've heard about three it's like all oh, the
0: the the going down the course with a whole bunch of stumps you're just going from yeah, stumps yeah. to stumps and pushing yourself past them. it's like and uh
2: yeah i, uh, I just finished telling him sort of looked at me and he was like still using that one eh?" <laughs> <laughs> i forgot they come from yeah i mean i've i've been very lucky
0: um i mean so miles paul reedy's a you know um I've had I've got three rows in my life where I rode with um basically an international one of those port is, is uh Trapmore, one of those is Reedy, and another one's um oh, I can't remember his name, but he was uh, Australian Cox Pair in the late nineties. And uh I can remember coming off the water going, I now understand what my body's doing more than I did the session before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about the success here that is one of the successes the the you know the i think there's actually some research come out recently that you've got or that sort of uh gives a bit more percentage so it's like there's the verbal there's the there's the visual and there's the kinesthetic you Mm. get in a boat and row with someone like grace prendergast oh some things are just going to make sense that didn't make sense before Mm. because there's the woman Who apparently can go even faster than what she's already done? Uh, They've done times at home in training that are faster than what they actually did. Um, She's retired, so that's her story. Um, And that's just a a testament to the great program
1: you're running here at Cambridge. If you can make athletes of that calibre still PB,
0: oh no, no, I'm never going to claim Grace was definitely on the rate. It's like Grace didn't PB here, but Imogen did the that year that she rode with Grace. She went on to PB in the single uh the world championship and then the following year in the double which she was obviously fast before but you know and that's what i'm saying it's like it was that especially that year it was our journey Mm -hmm. we all added our bits and experiences the mine was the you know probably that year i was more of a manager than a coach i did some coaching but i was also making sure that all the pieces fit together and was flexible and to make those things work you know imogen was his fifth year medic she had places and placements in Luton, so we had to move things around. Uh, and and Mananish was like, Yeah, okay, that we're going to work for her, and then how do I make it work for everyone else as well? Mm-hmm. So, you know, whereas normally we do this and this, and that's how it works, but you know, um, so the but yeah, so you've got to change for what they need. So, I probably am coaching more this year. We got some great athletes, but we're probably coaching more on some fun to because we've got. One of the biggest teams we've had in several years. Tri- uh, trialing, yeah, we still have to get the same number by Christmas, but which is a testament to the work we're doing, a testament to Autumn Tell's assistant coach for the last two years and the work she was doing to, you know, make this feel. Um, like a place you want to you want to come and train to and take the risk and stuff because it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah keep chipping away, learning things. And, and, you know, next year, if all the Olympians that we're talking to come, I'll be the manager again. You know, it's like, you know, you just got to... And you you, you impart and hopefully you can impart something to all of them, but, you know. Yeah. They've also rode and then hopefully, you know, you'd hope someone like Ruby and Grace and Imogen who've spent them in time in international is like, I've done an under 20, I did two under 23 campaigns. So that's cumulative about six weeks at Cavisham. Um, I don't live there like some of these athletes, you know, essentially, and, and the knowledge and the people they could talk to in their network. It's like, I would hope that they can bring things back and add value. Um, I have my guru team, but they've got bigger budgets than
2: we do, so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a mark of a great athlete. It's a lot of people that can row really well in a nice sat boat, and then the next level is to kind of be able to make those changes and have that awareness and stuff. Um, I was pretty fascinated when Al Sinclair was like, "Oh, I don't think I'm." He was in the men's pair, and yeah, um, I don't. I don't think my strength was that I was a great rare. I think I just got the best out of everyone else around me. Yeah. And I was like, "That is, that's it. That's what makes you great." Yeah. You know, to be able to, like you said, have that understanding, have that boat feel, impart that knowledge to those around you, yeah. make get the best out of them, yeah. whilst doing your best thing, the best yeah. you can do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think even as a coach, it extends to that too. Like maybe potentially even without saying this explicitly, but you've really highlighted like what it takes to create a winning culture and how to like stay on top. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be willing to learn. You've got to sometimes listen to your athletes, be observant, sometimes manage, sometimes assume different role, and uh, in general, foster an environment which is both inclusive but also like fosters. um and promotes growth because if everyone wants to improve around then, then that's going to cascade onto, onto the rest of the team and I think that's that's really beautiful and <laughs> and and certainly what we have been seeing here at Cambridge so I personally find uh, listening to, to you talk about the program and the system and describing your journey like very, very fascinating and hopefully it can inspire some other people and potentially some athletes who will listen to this and then decide that they want to row for Cambridge
0: That'd be nice uh, uh, Yeah i tempted to drop Matilda's email address in there so you'll email her um, we can put her at the <laughs> bottom stick it on the bottom <laughs> the um, but yeah you know it's about there is the one beautiful thing about rowing is you don't get anywhere if you're not prepared to work yeah, yeah and um, it doesn't always you know it's not always fair that work equals reward mm-hmm. but there's you know there is it's not always fair but but you're not going to get even a, a sniff if you don't not prepared to do the work and um i think that's that's um can definitely be twisted and stuff but i think if we hold the hold that to a like in a, a wholesome way um then actually it's you know and we care about each other and the stuff along the way and we you know um rowing is a very uh it is lots of things but it is a time expensive sport sure. and um and to, you know to get to the to where you know they have they are all full-time students from phd students to medics to vets to first year undergrads um classics you know um, just namely engineers the architect um we usually only ever have one architect if we have any at all um (laughs) the the it's a this this weird course where they have to do presentations at 10 o'clock at night and stuff it's like yeah you're still getting up at five um the uh, you know and we prioritize the academics and we plug the rowing in before enough schools so they're long days but um i don't think because of certain strikes, we don't have all the grades in for what was last year. But the last 10 years, we've always been above the academic average. So, right. um, you know, some of those old values like ask a busy person, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Skills. Yeah. You know, you have to learn the busier you are, the more you have to learn, manage yourself. And, you know, if you don't have anything to do, you can waste a lot of time. But also how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I
1: think that's just going to translate into both academia and, and the sport. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Do you mind if we ask you some quick fire round questions? Sure. I mean, you might get a long answer, but <laughs> that's all right. The questions are going to be quick. The answers are, are up to you. Um, obviously, you've started your rowing journey in Australia. So you probably were exposed to a lot of different rowing venues and locations that you might have raced at, trained at, or visited. What are some of your favorites that you've been to or would like to visit again? Why?
0: uh Lake Barrington in Tasmania is truly beautiful it's the first time I uh you know went sculling and was able to back down and put my stern in a waterfall um and just like I was there for six weeks once uh training camp it's I think um I've never been to Lucerne would love to go there um but in some of the US city I think if anyone ever gets a chance to go to Seattle and you're not um, i'm sure actually because of the boats and everything else the water's not always great but mm-hmm. actually they've got a like the campus and everything is just right there and they've got a really cool setup um texas has got a pretty good cool setup a bit of a bit yeah. more of a commute but it's like the boathouse and stuff mm-hmm. and warm weather all year round virginia actually with the trees overhanging the lake and they can go different angles and stuff is is a truly beautiful boathouse Morgan's um, gone to virginia our friend morgan by williams new assistant coach yeah, to- yeah 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 um, the but even getting to row like at uh from harvard and getting to row in the charles or those i mean those you know it's if i was a young rower over again and i had the opportunity to go i would i would give it serious thought it's like um you know it is an incredible opportunity on the women's side it's, it's a billion it's a billion dollar industry mm-hmm. you know there are 88 schools I believe at last count there was 88 schools for division one schools in the states that offer wow. scholarships you know wow. different standards sure but they're aspiring to be hopefully yeah. aspiring to be and you know, there's lots of reasons why that that money's there football basketball usually on the men's side but um, the that I can't see that that is only going to continue to grow because there are still the, the differences between the standards of some of those programs is still quite large and I think as more and more people see it as an option, but that's going to strengthen what happens at home. And I think we're uh, at that ebbs and flows, but I think that we're seeing that certainly here. Now New Zealand's making it part of the... Australia's made it part of their system for a while. There's more and more Europeans and Eastern Europeans going over. Um, so it would be really interesting to see how that continues to evolve and the part it plays in mm-hmm. in in people's journeys and stuff Um 'cause cuz like i said earlier it's like just look at the times in the semi-finals i don't think there's very few rare where the difference between some of the times in the semi-finals is literally like babbles and that's just that's that's a level of competition that if you can get there that we don't really yeah. well we yeah, don't get yeah. here, but yeah. but also I think actually the changing the competition structure here, uh, I can't remember when they did it, but to, um, I mean, I hate time trials. They're boring as anything, but at the same time, then pulling the athletes into and creating finals where actually, so yes, impressive. we'll race different pennants in the same race, mm-hmm. but we'll do it so that everyone's having a good race. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah, because I race plenty of times here and it's like, yeah, we've won. No, oh, yeah. there's the next opposition. Whereas <laughs> you look at the next race, and actually it's like we would have had a race with them
2: Um, yeah. you know, just because it was a you know champ and senior one back in the day. it's definitely something America has, yeah, that we don't have. And I've lost to a few American crews at Henley and not had a close race all year and then come up against yeah. these guys who've been having humdingers every week. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and that's you know, the you know, hindsight being perfect is I grew up in Adelaide and um all the best rowers in Adelaide left. I didn't. Um and that probably puts me somewhere on the fence in terms of whether I should have left or not. Um But it did mean that I never had constant competition. Mm. And that's, that's, that plays a big part in how people develop and thrive. You know, pressure is important. Mm-hmm. Um Pressure is very important and balanced and supported. Not, yeah, it can be destructive obviously, but like, yeah, pressure to thrive not pressure to stress probably in getting a balance but you know our bodies also grow with stress so yeah it's, it's definitely something to take advantage of yeah.
1: i wanted to ask you out of all the races you've done what's one race that you'd like to do and again
0: uh, that, that like, you'd like to do again when you're 70 uh, so you mean if you as a coach work. or as an athlete as an athlete oh i'd do the four against brooks again oh. it's a a no-brainer you know with uh guy Hugh, and will uh you know we had our so it was 2003 so we did 20 years this year and being able to do and it's always on like so when i'm 70 god that will be 40 years from the race yeah that'd be great to do awesome Um, yeah not not sure henry's back or how cope with it but um (laughs) (laughs) although he'll be definitely fitter than all the, the
2: other everyone else um yeah nice that's awesome uh i like to ask if you could travel back in time to meet the you when you first really caught the bug for rowing when you first absolutely were in doesn't every rower say
0: i wish i knew now what i wish i knew then what i know now yeah so if you like, could travel I so
2: much faster um, uh jack Bowman specifically <laughs> was like I gave I'm giving him some advice to be faster, other people was more about different things, but yeah, if you could travel back time and give that kid one piece of advice
0: uh don't put everything into just rowing. I spent five years probably just burying myself in rowing and not looking after the other aspects of me. um I should have gone to university earlier and found the balance in that earlier and it would have been stressful and stuff, but, and maybe, maybe, maybe it would have gone down there of quitting earlier, but maybe it would have actually helped me find, um, a happier meet because obviously, you know, you don't tend to quit if you aren't, un- when you're happy. Um, yeah, because it definitely, you know, it took me five, four years to then three years to start again, to then find, and, you know, I've got a photo of me after winning Henley and I, just look content, which is probably the only time I've ever looked at myself and gone, yeah, he's proud of what he's done. And, and I've actually, you know, but even winning is a very, is it, 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 that balance between are you doing it for others? or Are you doing it for yourself? The yeah. validation stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 another
2: whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to have back on for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a tough line to tread. Yeah. So I've got one last question. Okay. Uh, we'll get into the story of why you called Paddy and not Patrick another time. <laughs> but uh who are some of your rowing idols or people you've looked up to the most, either during your career or during your coaching career? Oh,
0: uh, I remember uh, Paul Reedy um dossing on his floor uh in melbourne and um just think, um uh, my first well i had it's not my it wasn't my first coach but my first proper coach the first coach that was one-on-one sort of thing so i was a scholar for in australia so as i said there wasn't many other people to row with so uh brendan tyrrell uh called um who had rode with paul reedy actually that's i guess how i met then um gosh uh he was he was he taught me so much more about feel and uh and you know tough love there's like well if you're not going to turn up you can fuck off um the and 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 making the decision to turn up and that was and then you know you can't do everything and things like that but uh who else um so there were the early years um I like Simon you know Simon Cox was great um I've spent I've been privileged to spend a little bit of time with Tim McLaren again from that era with Paul Reedy and stuff but that's you know, where they knew each other um gosh uh Robin Williams I've been Miles Thomas um I just like listening to other people how they talk'm not I mean, I've done a pretty good job of talking to you guys but at the same time. I should just like listening to how other people yeah. explain things and and not going right, that's how I've got to do it. So what do I what are the bits I like mm. that I think can make that I can explore that that, that strengthen me not necessarily just because if I try and do everything I'm, I'm not going to be me anymore. Yeah, so. yeah
2: yeah and we get to sit down with different people every week and do this and it's awesome yeah. and uh, we're doing a lot of that and it's yeah. it's funny a lot of people afterwards will be like did that I don't it doesn't was it all right? Was it all right? I mean, oh, yeah. It was oh. awesome. You just don't think it's awesome because it's all the stuff in your head yeah. that you already have yeah. but then if you get to do it enough times you listen to it. I mean I say that
0: to the councils,
2: like right this is what's going on in my head I'm going to explain it to you.
0: Uh, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You do a better job explaining mechanics than my professor does. I was like Probably in a small context, but
2: okay, I'll take that. I'm glad you understood because I've still not quite got it, but let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, it's like, it's been really, really interesting. Um, I love the general rule that's come out of it really is just keep learning, keep keep trying, keep, keep thinking. An environment um, that you can fail in, I think, is undervalued. And um, it's been really interesting to sort of look behind the curtain a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely love the chat and yeah definitely care for other people that's that's another big takeaway from 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 this chat because well that's that, that seems to be the way to to grow the fastest and, and most effectively if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with other people and to work with other people you're going to care for them so oh, i absolutely love it. from this guy
2: he's got some good
1: oh yeah i love that <laughs> well thank you very much i'm i'm hoping i can really back in for another episode uh, at some point with the with the quotes but other than that I wish you all the best for Cambridge for this year and and let's see and let's see how long the winning streak continues because you guys really do amazing work and definitely set the standard for other people to to look up to and potentially because you're so focused on making the go fast at hand you might not hear the chatter from other people where they would definitely describe it that way so it's been an absolute privilege and and thank you very much for seeing none of us
0: oh thank you very much it was a oh, it was a pleasure it went very quickly it was it was just nice and easy and yeah easy to talk and so fun Appreciate it. So, on that note,
1: easy there. Cue the music.